0: You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do 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 you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown skin. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown, she my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown, she my brown skin, love a brown skin, hold me down, down. Yeah. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. And I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the culture change agent. And it is Season 3. We in here. I'm pumped. I'm excited. We got a groundbreaking episode. Honestly, I ain't gonna lie. It's one of the shortest episodes of all time, but... We have a guest out here that is very high profile that's doing some amazing things for the culture, for education, and he's under 35 years old. His his resume is quite mind-boggling. Thank y'all so, so much. I took a month off. We back, we fresh, we energized, we got new content, we got new people. Um, Hopefully, you got a better and improved host. We don't got a new intro because, honestly... I, I found home with this intro right here. I, I love Laka Shaw's brown skin. This sets the tone for the podcast. So for season three, we will keep it. But if you're an artist out there and you, you think you got intro-worthy music, send it in. Greg at greggeo.com. That's my email. Please send me music. But we're sticking with Laka Shaw's brown skin lover. Matter of fact, he's going to be a guest on season three of the podcast. And yo, I don't know where to begin. I'm excited. My life is a whirlwind right now because... To be transparent, I made a transition, y'all. For the last couple months, and actually last few years, I've been speaking, and for the last few months, I've been speaking full-time, going in, going in. But I made a transition where I still speak, but now I am a business teacher at a public school as well. So luckily I got some flexibility in my schedule so I can still speak to certain colleges and venues, but I teach on an everyday basis. And when I tell y'all, lesson planning. Keeping kids engaged is, is no joke. And y'all like, yo, gee, you 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 keep people engaged for 90 minutes on a keynote. You, This is what you do. Uh-oh. You jump into that public school system, it's a whole nother ball game. But I'm having an amazing time. I'm learning a lot. I tell you, I have learned more in the first week. Teaching. Then I had the last two years speaking like. Because <laughs> speaking is a talent I naturally have. I naturally possess. But teaching is a whole different journey. But I'm enjoying it. I'm going to learn as much as I can. Because at the end of the day, I know if I say I want to change the culture. Specifically change the educational culture. I know that it's going to be hard if I haven't had an experience working within the public school system, so I'm learning a lot. Thank everybody for your support. Also, thank you so, so much for downloading the podcast, keeping us in the top 150, it with your friends. I've been getting your messages on LinkedIn. I've been getting your messages on Twitter. I've been getting your messages on Facebook, and I appreciate the support wholeheartedly. I don't take it for granted. Season two, we blew past my expectations. I'm talking about over 200 countries listening, Country that I didn't even know even spoke English and listening to the podcast all because of you listeners y'all keep tuning into the show y'all keep downloading and keep sharing with your friends and I appreciate it and for those that have been reaching out and trying to contact me a lot's been going on so I haven't had a chance and opportunity to respond to every single body but I know on Saturdays I responded via email to everybody else getting in questions answering questions and it's keeping that line of communication open because I do not take your support. For granted um, Last but not least You know Housekeeping Housekeeping If you're new To this podcast Make sure Go to iTunes And leave us a review If you're listening To via SoundCloud Follow us And also If you love the podcast Please share it with a friend Because each and every week We're just trying to showcase People of color From all descents That are setting The world Setting the US Setting their state Setting their space On fire With energy With resilience With passion and all that good stuff. So so without further ado, let's get into our introduction of our guest. Today's guest is the superintendent of the twenty-fifth largest school system in the nation. He is responsible for overseeing the instruction of over hundred and eleven thousand students while managing a one point seven six billion dollar budget and leading more than twenty-one thousand employees in 175 school centers and programs. Crazy. Since his inauguration one critical strategy is making high school graduation a system-wide priority. So in collaboration with this team, Baltimore County Public School systems and the Blueprint 2.0 initiative. The graduation rate surged to over 87 percent for the class of 2015. And they were honored with the 2014 District of Distinction Award from the District Administration Magazine for those gains. And if you want to speak about honors, he's been awarded several. I mean, I can't really list them all, but I'm going to share a few of them. Digital Innovation Award for the Digital Promise and Ed Surge. 2014 Walk the Walk Award 2015 Open Door Policy Award. He was named one of the eight school new 2014 tech savvy superintendents and is culminated in his recognition in 2014 by President Obama himself for the Advisory Commission on Educational Excellence for African-Americans. And prior to his appointment to Baltimore County public school system. He was served as one of the three chief school officers responsible for the administration of nearly 300 schools in Houston Independent School District, which is the seventh largest school system in the whole nation. Before there in Houston, he served executive leadership positions in Virginia leverage leverages expertise in curriculum, instruction, assessment, school improvement, and strategic planning. He has received his doctorate degree in educational leadership, a master's degree in administration and supervision from Virginia Commonwealth University, and he earned his bachelor's degree in English from Virginia Union University. A resident of Baltimore County, he enjoys travel, music, reading, all sports, especially golf, and he's the proud father of a son, Miles Dallas-Dance. So without further ado, I'm excited to introduce and welcome our guest, Dr. Dallas-Dance, superintendent of the Baltimore County Public School System to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Greg, for having me. I appreciate it, man.
0: Oh, man, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. So we're just going to jump right in. Every episode that we've done, and we've done over 40s thus far, we start off with a quote, and we have our guests share a story about how they got that quote to their everyday life. So, Dr. Dance, could you share with us a quote that you live by and a story about how you apply it?
1: Sure. I, I think my favorite quote uh, would probably be, too much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, awards and honors are great. Uh, most of them are at my mom's house because she just loves <laughs> having them. Uh, but we, we we are expected to impact others. And so our lives um, stop when we stop giving back to others, particularly when we are where we are because so many people have given to us. So um, I try to use that quote every single day when I'm interacting with our employees, when I'm interacting with um, our parents, and most importantly, when we're interacting with our students. Um, we are very uh, fortunate to have 112,000 students this year in our school system very diverse uh, school system just like most suburban school systems across the country we're suburban uh, urban in nature Um, majority minority over half of our students are students of color over half of our students qualify for free reduced lunch so anytime I can impact them through our work through our stories um, we do it so that's what I would probably say is my favorite quote and how I apply every day in my in, in my journey
0: Amen, amen, amen. So before we get into current day and what you do, I want to take it back a little bit so our audience can get a, a personal background of kind of who you are before you even embarked on this journey. So could you share with the audience a little bit about yourself and, our, and your background and who you are?
1: Sure. So uh, first and foremost, I'm a father. Mm-hmm. And, and and you mentioned that earlier in the introduction, but uh, I am, in fact, uh, probably the youngest superintendent of our school system, um, of one of the top 100 100- um largest school systems in the country. Um, but, you know, I grew up in uh, the inner city, grew up in Richmond um, Public Schools in the city of Richmond, which is in Virginia. Uh, by a single mother, my dad and I are close now. We did not, we were not close when I was in um, grade school, but we became close once I graduated from college, um, and we speak at least several times a week now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I was in high school and in college. I went to Virginia Union, and uh, I always thought I would be a lawyer. I was going to be mm-hmm. a civil rights attorney um, so that I could practice my cases pro bono, and I was going to be a corporate attorney so I could uh, make money to in order to be able to, char- to, to practice cases pro bono. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God had another call for me. I had an opportunity to uh, tutor some students while I was in college. And so um, I just fell in love with interacting with young people and pushing them. Um, And so began my teaching career um, in Henrico County Public Mm -hmm. Schools at Holland Springs High School. As a matter of fact, Bill Hite, who was the superintendent of the Philadelphia uh, City School District, um, was my first principal. Wow. And Bill just mentored me and he just kept saying, man, we need you to stay in education. We need you to go into administration to serve as a role model uh, for others. Because to be honest, there are not many um, African-American male, um, you know, superintendents and district leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having Bill as one of my mentors um, really pushed me to stay into it. Uh, I was a teacher uh, for a period of time. I was an assistant principal at the high school level. Then I became a middle school principal. Um, And then went into central administration where I served as an assistant superintendent, uh, a chief school officer, and ultimately then became a superintendent. And one of the things I realized in all those positions is I only applied for one, and that was to be a teacher. Um, (laughs) When you are um, when you listen more than you speak and when you really just take the opportunity to understand every experience that's been given to you, man, anything can happen. And that's what happened with me. Um, I took every single experience and people noticed what I was doing um, and God moved in my life and, and that's how I got to where I am.
0: Wow, that's, wow. that's phenomenal. So what were you doing your, your, as a teacher to just, just, just take it to that next level? Cause I, 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 looking at your journey, I was like, whoa, in my head, before I interviewed you, I was like, well, he must have been applying and really just hawking different, uh, um, career opportunities to get to that level. But you said you started as a teacher and then every opportunity just came. So from that ground floor, what were some core things that you did to stand out and to kind of take, take it to the next level?
1: I don't know if I say I did anything in particular. You know, no. one of the, I never did. I never used one position to leverage another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you do that, um, not only do you come across as opportunistic, but you 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 don't really get deeply grounded in the current work you're doing and you miss opportunities and experiences because of that. I think what I did honestly was just get to know my kids. Um, you know, as, as a teacher, once you build solid relationships with your kids, they will do any and everything for you. Mm hmm. So, you know, my scores in my classroom, my students excel, other teachers sent my you know, my students back to me when they were not doing what they needed to do in their class uh, because they knew what my expectation was mm-hmm. of them. They knew that because I knew them, I was able to then, you know, uh, you know, leverage them to a point where they 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 excel for me. And I think people started to see it. People started to see that my my students were committed to, you know, performing better on the SAT, performing better on state tests. But for the most part, they were committed to to doing better for their school, mm. uh, of, of my commitment to them. And from that, my uh, my principal started asking me, "Was I interested in doing some other things at the school, which levered leadership opportunities?" Uh, and and from there, things just happened.
0: Oh man, that's that's phenomenal. So I, I guess fast forward a little bit. What was your first day like on the job when it hit you? At at 30 years old, you are a, a superintendent of a major district. Like how 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 did you wrap your head around that?
1: Um, I don't I don't know if I'd say I uh it, it I I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um it's one of those things that, you know, I think because of my relationships with with, with other educational leaders and mm-hmm. I've always stayed grounded. You know, I always keep important in mind that this is just a title um you know and because i'm there are certain values i'm grounded in uh, such as equity and, and understanding people and and really valuing people um i just took it as god has placed me here because he knew this is what he wanted to do with me and through me at that particular moment i also felt like i was prepared having worked in virginia and texas um you know it's one of those things where you take nothing personal mm-hmm. you just stay focused on what the the end result is and that's making sure every single kid is successful um but my very first day on the job, um, when we opened schools, it was quite different. We had a school shooting. Uh, my very oh my first goodness. day uh, uh, when we opened up schools, and uh, because we had, you know, gone through our crisis management protocols when I first got hired, and I had built some solid relationships with our police chief and our fire chief and our county administration, uh, you know, it could have been much, much worse. We got into action. We talked about what happened. How did it happen? What we're going to do to make sure it didn't happen again. We put some safety protocol, additional safety protocols in place. Um, But because I because I had been in situations before that had prepared me and leveraged me for this opportunity, Mm -hmm. um, we made it work.
0: Oh, man, that's 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 crazy. That's crazy. So how would you describe your your, your first year as a as as with this new uh, position?
1: Um, you know, I, I I'd probably describe it as successful. Um, we it was successful in that we built some pretty solid relationships and partnerships. You know, the first year of any job, um, particularly people want to come in and they want to make all these changes. And, you know, even if you have ideas of changes you want to make, you have to figure out what's the organizational capacity to deal with the change. You also have to figure out the timing of the change you want to make, because as a leader, you want to make sure that the, ch- the change is sustainable beyond you. Mm -hmm. that, you know, there have been so many leaders who I know that they're in positions and the moment they leave, everything goes back to the way it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And because people have not had a, a, a cause for awareness. They've not necessarily been put in a situation to where they understand the need for change and why. Um, and for us, it was about building relationships so that whenever we started to make those changes, which was going to be year two, people understood that they were involved in the process the entire time along with us. And because they were involved in the process, they came on board very, very quickly. Um, but you know, for me, it was all about building those relationships the first year so that we could make some sustainable change happen, and
0: we did. So it sounds like the key theme of this all is relationships, relationship with the students, relationship with the faculty, relationship with your administration, and really not just using it as a fluff term, relationship and networking, but really being intentional about developing them, right?
1: You have to. People, you know, we always say all the time, you know, kids don't care about what you know until they know you care, right? And so it's the same thing for adults. It it doesn't Mm -hmm. change. Um, The person is, you know, your English department chair or Your assistant principal or even a parent in your community, if people don't feel like uh, you care about them or that you're connected to them and what their work is, they're not going to work for you. Um, And so um, whether it's working as a parent volunteer or working in the the cafeteria or a bus driver, regardless of what the work is, uh, they need to know that you feel involved and that you are involved with them.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's perfect. And but now being that you have Hundreds of thousands of students, and then you have tens of thousands of employees. How do you keep that that same depth in the relationships, and and let them know that you genuinely care about them? Now,
1: absolutely, I think part of that is just being visible. Mm-hmm. You know, a part of it is being visible and folks know that, you know, they can contact me. They can contact me via email, via Twitter, via other social media outlets. But to be honest with you, they see me in schools. Um, They see me around our community. So um, it's not that the superintendent is sort of this just person who sort of sits in an office. They Mm -hmm. recognize office probably less than 30 percent of my time. Um, because they want, and I want them to see me deeply involved in the work. Um, parents know that they can contact me directly, and you know one of the small things we do is that when people have birthdays, they get an email alert from me um, that it's their birthday, you know, and to enjoy their day. <laughs> uh-huh. Or you know, a bus driver or a bus attendant or someone who doesn't have email, I, I personally sign cards to those individuals. So it's little things uh, that, even though we have twenty one thousand employees, we try to. Very, very and last but not least, I think one of the things that's sort of I've really you know hit on is this whole idea that you know we have hundred and twelve thousand kids, they need to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And constantly I'm sending videos or, or or some type of message to our students so that they know that I'm 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 connected to them um, and that I'm pushing on them, that I expect them to do well and to be great um, because we, we are depending on them. And so, you know, I think one of the most humbling, one of the humbling things that, that occurs to me in this role is that I go in schools and kids know who I am. Um, wow. You know, I'm out in the community and kids know who I am. And I knew growing up, I never knew
0: uh, mm-hmm. who this was. Man, that's that's powerful. And to, to expound upon that, what would you say is two things? What do you think is the funniest thing or, or the happiest thing about your job that you love? And what is one of the biggest challenges of your role right now? Sure.
1: I think one of the things I love is just being able to interact with kids. Again, mm-hmm. going into a building and kids know you. Whether it's an elementary kid or whether it's a high school kid and, and and these kids are are African American, they're white students, Hispanic, Latino students, you know, they're Asian students, they're, they're, they're students from the world. You know, Baltimore County truly is a melting pot of the world and they know who I am. And they're interested in showing me their report card. They're interested in telling me about their day, what's going well, what's not going well, what we can do to help them. That's that's the beauty of of, of this job. I can walk into any single school and get feedback from a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. And our community is so diverse that I can go from a school that's five minutes away from the other. And it's totally a different perspective. Um, one of the challenges, and this is just in and in, in, in the superintendency in general, is just the the, the increasing political nature that comes with uh, education, but particularly the superintendency now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the superintendency is is definitely by far the one of the most, if not the most, complex position in America. It's one of those jobs where your your um, your enemies ac- accumulate, with your friends, you know, they 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 decrease ah. uh, because you're constantly making decisions that impact someone Mm -hmm. Um, and so with the increasing nature of politics and with the superintendent not being able to be political but being very very much uh apolitical um you have to completely know the politics of your area in order to get anything done but politics can be a challenge uh because you're expected in most cases to work um with your 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 elected officials because that's where your funding comes from Mm -hmm. um but of course your elected officials have differing opinions um, with, 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 within each, within each other or within each other. So, because that's the case, you have to make sure that you have constant relationships with all sides so they understand uh, what you're doing to move the entire system forward, which benefits all parties.
0: Yeah, man. And, and it's crazy. I'm glad you started to take it there because with your position, like you said, you, you have a lot of visibility, but also you had that visibility. There's a lot of, it can be a lot of naysayers. It can be this, be that. So, how do you personally deal with, that type of being just by that type of lens, because also you still with all that being said, you still have high expectation because these are parents that that have their, their children going to these schools and you have to get constantly deliver, constantly innovate and do all this other stuff. But then if you go online one day and you can read this review and somebody just going in about something you passed that was supposed to help people. And, and now it's like, wow, I get lambasted of that because I ask because a lot of people that are listening, they're entrepreneurs or they're educators. And sometimes they have a lot of criticism at certain points and some sometimes they have a challenge dealing with it. So I figure you'd be the perfect guy to ask. Because- you know, one of the things I, I
1: think I tell people is you never take anything personally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a title. So think about it. When, when someone goes into the principal's office and they start fussing at the principal, they're not fussing at you personally. They're fussing at the principal. Um, you know, so not taking anything personally allows me uh, to be able to move the work forward and understand that this is a this is a job that I'm in place in at the moment that I have to constantly act as though I'm making decisions for my own child. When when you're making decisions for your own child, you always have the highest of standards. The the other thing that I tell people though is that you never ever read the newspaper, you never ever read the blogs. Mm-hmm. I don't look at the, 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 the TV in terms of the news. Good, bad, or indifferent, I don't. Because something that's good today might be the total opposite uh, uh, tomorrow. Um, so with that being the case, uh, you always stay grounded in the work ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you do that, then you never get sidetracked whether something's good or bad. Now, of course, being a superintendent, I have a communications department, so um, I always have to, um, you know, defer to them when they come in and say, look, man, you need to see this. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, I never take an opportunity to you know, relish in something if someone says things are going well or, you know, get down when someone says things are going bad because I always try to stay focused on what the end result is.
0: Oh, man, that's that's phenomenal. And I know you just spoke on it and um, uh, briefly, but I don't want to get too personal. But how do you balance that role of being that leader, being that workaholic and whatnot and and getting it in? But then also as a father, because I know you showcase and that's one of the the shining moments of your life. So how do you how do you balance that role?
1: Absolutely. So I think one of the things to keep in mind is at the end of the day, you might be a superintendent for, you know, two years or 20 years. You're going to be a father for a lifetime. Uh Um, And so. Um understanding that you know staying connected with your own with with my son is huge for me and and being divorced um you know I always make sure that if my son's having something at school or you know making sure that I keep a consistent schedule where he's seeing dad is important. I never want my son to have to go on the internet or go on t v to say this is my dad I want him to be able to know who who his dad is. Um, and so, just in a, in a matter of a, a couple of hours, I'm going to be going to pick him up uh, from school because I want to make sure that he sees me in that role um, as dad. I also make sure that if there are things that are going um, uh, around in the community, uh, that you know, when he's with me, that people see him, mm-hmm. um, and that they know that um, you know he, I, I am committed to him, which means that I'm making decisions on behalf of their kid, just like I'm making decisions on behalf of of him. Um, so with that being the case, I always make sure that I keep a constant schedule with him and I'm doing fun things with him so he knows me as dad.
0: Oh, uh, that's fantastic. And, um, to take it, at, cause I know we're, we're winding down here. Um, in the wake of, of recent tragedies in America and the issues that, that plague the public school system in general, not just Baltimore County, uh-huh. how do you keep morale high and everyone from the teaching staff to the parents to the students engaged?
1: Absolutely. So, to keep morale high for me is making sure that we constantly recognize people for their efforts. Um, and this is just not recognizing those schools that are just like, you know, your top performing schools, but it's recognizing those schools for growth. It's recognizing those teachers who have given, you know, not just 20 or 30 years to the school system, but, who, but who've made it to five years. Uh, it's recognizing those birthdays of individuals. It's making sure that, you know, you're recognizing those sports teams and you're creating new experiences for kids. So, for example, our middle school kids, um, we're, we're looking at, you know, what can they do to stay engaged? And they wanted to create athletics at the middle school level, which was not anything that was in place for us. Mm-hmm. And we created it uh, for them based on student feedback. So morale stays high when people feels like, feel like their voices matter. Um, and so to me, I believe the role of the superintendent is to curate all those voices so that individuals know that you care about them and that they matter. Um, and that's what I, stri- I try to do.
0: Yeah, that's, that's yeah. phenomenal. And, um, I got two advice questions. So I always ask some of our guests just advice. And, and the one question I have is. I run again. I run a. Uh, I run with a lot of, or I always run into a lot of educational professionals that that sometimes aren't seeing the change that they want to see in their schools from from leadership or whatnot, and a lot of them on the verge of leaving. You see some of the statistics around the country on the verge of, of leaving education in general. So, what would you say is a last stand for somebody that's just debating and not seeing the change, and sometimes they they're, they're thinking about maybe leaving education all in general.
1: Absolutely. So one of the things I always I always tell people is that leadership is just not a title. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if you're looking to the principal or you're looking to the department chair or the superintendent for leadership, I think you're missing a sound opportunity. What is it that you can do in creating the space within the space you have right now to create leadership opportunities and be the change you wanna see? So if you're not seeing the change you wanna see in your school right now, how can you then create your own space within your classroom to see the change that you wanna see that, that, that then begins to scale the entire building? One of the other things I tell people is don't wait to get involved. Act now. So I know that there are several principals who they have implemented ideas in their schools because they bubbled up from teachers. Um, and so um, one of the things that I, I talked to uh, most recently, my, my, my nephew, who just most recently went into teaching, is I said, look, create a faculty council at your school. You know, you're saying there's some issues, some concerns that you want addressed. You now, don't just go to your principal with a problem. You want to be able to, if you have 10 minutes with somebody, mm-hmm. in 30 seconds, you talk about a problem, but in nine and a half minutes, you're talking about potential solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things about education is that we all are in it to do something better for, for someone else. And so in many cases, we look to other people uh, to provide that type of avenue, but we all can create that type of synergy within the school. You have to then be able to take the leadership and say, I want to help. Um, and so get involved. You know, get involved with with the kids and get involved with your colleagues. But you know, leadership really does need all people within that school in order to make a difference. It can't just happen in the principal's office alone.
0: Mm, that's a great that's answer. A great the last, point. the last advice question I have is: there, There's some young, there's a lot of young professionals out there that feel that they're doing a great job in their career. They're putting in the work. But sometimes around them, they're seeing, the, especially in the social media age, they are seeing their peers around them. They're flourishing. They're making moves. And sometimes they feel stuck. So what advice would you give to them?
1: The biggest advice that I would probably give to them um, is to figure out what is it that you're looking to do long term. Mm-hmm. Live in the moment. Um, if we live in the moment, we recognize that there are things that are that are occurring around us right now that will prepare us uh, for 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 the upco- uh, for the future. Um, You know, one of the things I always, again, like to keep in mind is that um, if we if we live in the current moment, the experience that we are that we're learning from right now is going to come back to where we'll have to use leadership that we have gone through this experience in order to propel us later. Um, But never use any experience. uh, I should say never use any position to leverage you for another one. You want to be able to use the experience you've gotten to leverage you for future experiences.
0: Hey Amen. So as far as the future, what's next for 2016, 2017 for the Baltimore County Public School System?
1: You know, we're staying focused, uh, Greg. You know, we have a, a strategic plan that has guided us for the last uh uh, five years um, from my administration, uh, five years I've been here, four years of implementation, we, we're we staying focused. Um, you know, we, we like our graduation rate, but we still have gaps. So focusing around equity makes sure that regardless of where a student is within our county, they're getting the supports and services they need um, and making sure that our community understands why we're doing that work so we can continue pushing it forward.
0: Oh, man. So that that, that, that ties in out on everything. And we usually have for you a, a rapid fire culture change round. You ask five questions and you just give me quick rapid fire answers. OK. All right. Uh, first, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? So whom much is given, much is required. What is one of your personal habits that can attribute to your success? Uh, reflecting daily. What is your favorite book and
1: why? The Purpose Driven Life. It puts into perspective why we need to do what we need to do.
0: Mm. What inspires you the most and keeps you motivated?
1: Um, my son. Um,
0: he, he's, my, he's my my most prized possession. Amen. And if you're the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Um, use use the
1: bully pulpit every day in the platform to make sure that everyone recognizes that everyone's important.
0: Mm. And then the last question that we always ask for, for all our guests is, if you could change or alter one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, What would it be and why?
1: Um, For us to have pride um, in ourselves and in others. Um, There's a lot of um, me thinking Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of folks who think only about themselves. But, you know, we became the nation we are. We'll only get better by thinking about others. Um, And right now, I think we're in a society where um, everyone's thinking about the, the I culture.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. So Dr. Dance, like I said, I thank you so much. Cause this, like I said, Wednesday was their first day of school and for giving us a time to, to kind of just develop a bit into your journey and whatnot. So how can everybody else keep in touch with what, what's going on for the Baltimore County public school system? What's going on with you and stay, stay hip.
1: Sure. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Definitely they can connect me there. I'm on Twitter at uh, ddance underscore BCPS. Uh, so connect with me there. They can email me ddance at bcps.org. Um, or, you know, there, there are other ways you can keep in contact with me, too. But uh, for the most part, those are the three main ways uh, to get in contact with me. And I'm always open to new ideas and meeting new people.
0: Hey, man. Well, Dr. Dance, right. I thank you for your time and I appreciate you being a guest on the show.
1: Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it, man.
0: I know the blazing Nation. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to episode one of season three with Dr. Dallas Dance, superintendent of the Baltimore County Public School System. Short to the point episode. He dropped some value bombs. Hey, yo, you ready for next week? Next week, we have an amazing guest. I can't wait to share. And remember, 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 subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating on iTunes. Follow us via SoundCloud. And keep doing what you can do to change the freaking culture. Good night.